When community really adds value is when there's a vibrancy and an ability for interaction. So a lot of folks say they have a community, but there is no interaction within the members of that group. So we focus strongly on in, in creating an environment that allows for that interaction. Hey, welcome to the Work Podcast brought to you by Open Assembly. I'm John Windsor, and today I'm with Terry Sidoric, CEO of Chaotix. Hey, Terry, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Glad to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, me too. I'm really psyched. You know, one of the things I think when I started on this journey, you know, in 2002, it felt like Chaotix was one of the first companies that was out there doing really, really cool work. I remember actually connecting. I think it was like early days. I connected when I wrote the book Spark with a guy at Lego, Jake McGee. And I think he was maybe even a predecessor to what you guys were doing on the Lego side. But, you know, obviously you guys have really invented the idea of co-creating with customers. But before we dive into that, I'd love to just tell us a little bit about you. Besides, sure. you know, I'd love to hear about riding motorcycles too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I've got a long history in the technology space and uh, probably the last 20 plus years in the early stage company characterization of that marketplace. So for me, I get involved early on with organizations as they want to go from that idea to commercialization. And so I've been at Keurtix now for seven uh, going on eight years. Initially, I was at the COO level and, and uh, about two years ago, took on the CEO challenge for the organization. Personally, Got a lot of interests outside of work, including the motorcycle riding, uh, roasting coffee. So a lot of different things just to keep me busy. That's cool, man. I, I like that idea. Do you have your own roaster? And I do. I do. I have a Diedrich roaster right out of the U.S. Of manufacturing. Wow, that's super cool. And any kind of specialty coffee that you like the most? No, just a fresh roast coffee. It's such a difference. I was introduced to that some time ago versus off the shelf. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, I visit the local coffee shops around here who specialize in different areas. But just the opportunity to have a fresh roasted coffee, something that's within that sort of five to 10 days, it just makes a huge difference. So it's, it's nice. I play around. I just play. I just play. <laughs> when this whole COVID thing's over, I'm going to come up to Calgary. Sure. We'll, get a, we'll get a cup of coffee for sure. Cool. Well, hey, let's let's dive into the platform. Tell us about the platform. Where did you get to start? How's it been going? What yeah. are you guys doing? Tell us the yeah. founding story. Sure, absolutely. So I think, you know, early on, the organization and founders identified an opportunity in the whole crowdsourcing arena. You know, the concept that we've always all talked about with the ability to bring a disparate group of individuals with different perspectives together and have them share their knowledge and experiences in, in and in attacking a challenge, a business challenge, ultimately. And so over the years, we went from more of a a custom application development shop to something that is uh, more product oriented. So today we have a single SaaS or cloud-based solution that we offer to our customers. And we, in, in essence, launch communities. And those communities, community being the definition of people with a like interest uh, in, an, in the platform, can be anything from an internal employee community to an external consumer community. Uh, you, had, you mentioned earlier on the Lego community. It's obviously our flagship community out there with 1.5 million uh, members. And we've been working with Lego. This is our eighth year with that platform and seen phenomenal growth from those early years to what's uh, taken place recently. And obviously, the unfortunate situation of the pandemic has uh, caused a, a growth in the community with people just looking for different things to do online. So it's been beneficial in that sense. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think that's one thing that I've always been inspired by your work and, you know, in my work in marketing was just around the idea of co-creating with your customers and the power of that. You know, I wrote that book a few years ago called Baked In and it was, you know, creating businesses and, you know, products that market themselves. The idea of how do you use co-creation as a way to connect with your customers and then build what people want. So super, it's just been such an inspiration to me to watch what you guys do. What categories do you work in? I mean, you guys obviously work with a lot of other kinds of companies besides Lego, but tell us kind of the other kinds of engagements that you have and what's most inspiring to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I would generalize and say that we, we, we look for those organizations in the consumer product space that are creative by nature. So anytime there's an opportunity to work with an end product or service in a creative sense, that's when we feel the value of bringing those users together inside of a community, fosters the opportunity to work together, inspire each other, and ultimately as a brand, as you're looking into the community, not only programmatically driving activity, but also just observing what's taken place in that community. So we structure our community such that there's a programmatic aspect, so very specific things that we ask the community to contribute to individually as well as collectively. And then at the same time, we offer kind of that virtual water cooler capability that allows the individuals within the community to subsequently bring up topics of interest and share their ideas and thoughts. So it's it's the data exhaust aspect of that community that we see extreme amount of value to the to the brand. And ultimately we've seen brands identify both market segments as well as product ideas through that ad hoc uh, interaction. That's awesome. And and like you mentioned earlier, it's not just external crowds or external communities. It can be internal communities as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, when you think of it, you know, the definition, as I mentioned earlier, of community is just a collection of individuals that have a common interest. So if you look outside in the Lego example or Creator Studio, which is a Rust-Oleum community that we have, it's a collection of individuals that use an end product of the brand. Internally, no differently, we have people that work for that brand and they're inspired and looking for different ways of which they can assist their organization, their company advance forward. So it's a situation where you know, it's the individual working in a function that perhaps isn't involved day to day with the end product, but has ideas because they're passionate, committed, and they just want to see the organization move forward. So you can see that the value in both of those scenarios would be extremely important to the brand itself. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Hey, let's dive into, tell us one good case study from your platform. I mean, I'd love to have the audience here, the Lego case study, because I think that's so important, but let's go beyond that as well. Maybe you could give us a couple of different case studies. Yeah, we've done this sort of conversation over the last year a couple of times. So I'll give you sort of the bookends or the extreme. So on the one case, we have Lego. Now, what's interesting about Lego is that, you know, far before the internet or online capabilities, Lego was co-creating in a physical sense. I mean, they were been the pioneers around co-creation and looked for physical meetups to bring individuals together that use their product, share ideas, and ultimately create that enthusiasm, passion, and commitment for their offerings and just you know share ideas at the end of the day. As the internet progressed and as we got more functionality capability technically, they just moved that to an online space. So in the Lego Ideas community, which is targeted at AFALS, adult fans of Lego, um, users submit ideas. Those ideas are upvoted by the membership. And when one of the ideas gets to a 10,000 member count or vote count, that goes internal to Lego, who then evaluates to see whether that product is viable to take to market. Consideration there is everything from the complexity of the build 
to the IP concerns, if you will, around different products. Now, Lego has licensing agreements with folks like Star Wars, etc. And so they're able to take those to market. At the same time as they're evaluating, they'll take something back out and test everything from pricing to interest, etc. around one of the product ideas, which has really advanced that time to market from something that internally takes around I'll say 24 months, and they've taken it down to under a year for products that come through the community. Now, the last piece is how do I motivate somebody? Frankly, these folks are so passionate and committed to the product that in the end, they do it for simply adoration from the fan base themselves. Winning a contest, having a product go commercial is a huge motivator. But at the same time, Lego offers the commercial incentive of a 2% royalty share on the commercial success of that product in the market. Last piece is that typically they'll launch four to five products per year. All of those products have, in essence, sold out. Some of them they brought back to market a second time. So it's been hugely valuable, both commercially with the products, but also from an advocacy perspective, in that all of these folks involved continue to basically communicate the values of the product and the, the fact that the brand is willing to listen and engage them around future products. So that's at one extreme. Now let me go to another, which is a Rust-Oleum, a US-based company in the Chicago area, Paints and Stains. The creator studio is the community and it's a DIY type community. Now what's interesting to Rust-Oleum is they sell all of their products through channels. So whether it's a hardware store, the Lowe's, the Home Depots, et cetera, they don't have an end relationship with their customers. And so the community has allowed them to reach over the channel, if you will, and subsequently engage with the community members. Both of those communities, Rust-Oleum as well as Lego, run challenges where they'll put product in the hands of the users and ask them to create. So Rust-Oleum has done everything from garage makeovers using their product to bathroom makeovers to back deck makeovers, et cetera. And again, what's the value? Number one is they see how the users are making use of their product. And at the same time, the creation of marketing content from the actual users is something that they reapply back into their marketing campaign. So again, hugely valuable. And those are sort of two extremes. I love those. Those are great. Really, really great examples. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of people, right? To control the relationship with their customer when they've got this intermediary sitting between them. Absolutely. And, you know, and the other thing we've seen over time is that, you know, the discussions in the early days around just the sensitivity of having someone or a group of individuals working with product in a structured fashion. So, A, you're going to introduce a business challenge and watch how the community is responding. Initially, a lot of brands were concerned with sort of the competitive exposure that that might provide. And what we've seen over time is people are just acknowledging that, you know, if they don't embrace something like that and work with their end consumers, ultimately, they're going to be out of the market anyway. So, you know, advancing forward from a maturity of how I engage with my end users. That's great. Well, you mentioned it for just a sec, but I would love to dig, dig in a little bit more on the, you know, with the disruption of this current crisis, what are you seeing out there? I mean, you said that, you know, some of your folks are getting a lot more momentum, but I would love to hear from your business. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, not unlike other businesses, we certainly saw an impact. Happily, it wasn't as detrimental as some have seen. In our case, all existing communities continued on, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. And then as far as anything that was sort of in that you know, sales funnel or looking at uh, future, it, it paused for a bit because of the uncertainty of what the pandemic and how it would impact some of our clients. And so that whole typical cadence of going from 
testing products to ultimately acquiring and launching communities was delayed slightly, but otherwise we saw minimal impact and we're quite pleased as a result of that. So that, that was beneficial to us. At the same time, you know, what we did with the existing customers was offered them the opportunity to launch a community uh, with their employees. So now if you look back to our, where we started the conversation, most of these folks are, are consumer-based communities. But at the same time, during the pandemic, we offered the opportunity for them to run employee-based communities to allow the folks that are now working from home to engage in a platform online and simply share some of their challenges and struggles. So nothing to do with the business they're involved with. Simply, hey, I'm working at home. What's the home office? What are the challenges? I'm a, you know, I'm a parent with two kids now that aren't able to attend daycare or schooling. How do I deal with this? And it opened up a, quite an interesting kind of, I guess, relationship with the employer, employees and that most of them knew each other from a work basis. But, you know, if you leave at the end of the day, you're not going to basically engage with those folks at home. But now all of a sudden, you know, they're in their home office and the kids are popping by, the pets are jumping up on the on their laps, et cetera. So it really increased the, I guess, the relationship between a lot of the employees, at least anecdotally, that's what we heard. So this was something we offered to our existing customers for free for a period of time and most of them took advantage of it and it continues to run but not as active as it was at uh, at the initial stages yeah i love that i love that collective problem solving right i think when when covid hit for all of us we were all just so upside down and everything in our lives and really cool to see that you guys provide a platform to answer some questions yeah i mean it was you know in our case it was what we could do with the groups that we work with you know, again, everyone had their own challenges through this pandemic. It was simply a place that they could collect. And what I loved about it, it was, you know, no business or relevant business conversation. Simply, how am I going to deal with this new world that I'm living in today? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's what we, I mean, we all have to be more learners today, right? Yeah. Learning's a big part of what we all have to do. Well, hey, inside an organization, who is typically your core customer? Historically, we've dealt into two parts of the organization. So depending on the initiative. So on the community or external side, it's usually the marketing where social research and then just general marketing sits. So the value of community in that case is to conduct light research with the community members look for marketing content. It's an extension of social. One of the things that we always say is give social a purpose. So, you know, our view of the marketplace is that as we migrated from, you know, historically print, radio, television into internet, which is more Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all still relatively broadcast capabilities. We view community as that next and natural evolution where you now have an engagement aspect. And so giving social a purpose was how we've coined that term. So as you have these individuals that are out there raising their hands through likes, follows, et cetera, and saying they have an interest in your brand, you know, our question back to these folks is, well, why not get them involved? They're looking for it. They're asking for it. The value is there. So simply engage them and give them a platform of which they can espouse some of the concerns that they want relative to your offering in the marketplace. So that was a big driver for us. Yeah, I love that. I love giving social a purpose because I think sometimes you look out in, in the social media area and it's so hard to curate anything if you're a brand. Well, there's two parts that we're seeing is, you know, what what was the benefit of all that is we've seen the power of community through various platforms. But at the same time, as the brands have matured in the understanding of how to make use of it, one of the questions was, what happens to the data? And when I broadcast or want to engage as much as I have the 100, 200,000 million people, whatever that is, of folks that are following me, do they all see the messages that I want them to? And the answer is no. 
So all we just said is take ownership of that. You know, launch your own community. Everybody's going to see the content you're putting out there and you control the data. So the environment is yours. And so now, as again, as naturally we've seen in a, you know, from a historical perspective, as people better understand what's in front of them and they understand how to make use of it, that's where we're seeing an uptake with respect to our offering in the marketplace. So it's exciting. It's exciting times. And we certainly see, I think numerous people have said the pandemic from a technology perspective has accelerated us ahead five to 10 years. We're seeing somewhat the same thing. So that's what we're excited about going forward. Oh, that's awesome. Well, talk to us about some of your biggest challenges. What are the challenges that you see on going forward with the platform, with your communities, with your customers as well? Yeah, great question. You know, the the balance for us becomes making sure that we continue to provide a scalable solution. So product oriented, but at the same time, inserting appropriate functionality and configurability such that you can make it yours. So one of the things that we've done and we continue to invest in is created a single platform of which all our communities run on and allow the brand to subsequently provide elements of their branding into the community. And early on, that was relatively restricted, but over time, we continue to have invested and evolved that such that someone can choose the colors, the imagery, the fonts, et cetera. And we continue to invest in that aspect of it. So again, as much product for scalability, which is important to us as a business, but also appreciating the fact that for a lot of our customers, which are you know, in the Fortune 1000, they want to have an alignment with their brand. And so as close as they can to a custom product, but within the configuration definition. I love that. So what's on the roadmap? I mean, you guys have done so much over such a long period of time and, and have really created this category yourself. But as you look forward, you know, coming out of the crisis, hopefully we're all coming out of the crisis. Yeah. What's on the roadmap? A couple of things. So we continue to invest in the experience. So what we view is that when community really adds value is when there's a vibrancy and an ability for interaction. So a lot of folks say they have a community, but there is no interaction within the members of that group. So we we focus strongly on in, in creating an environment that allows for that interaction. So just anecdotally, what we see is that in a typical timeline of community, the initial interaction is very much in a broadcast fashion with participation. But what we find over time is as trust is is, uh, developed with the community members by the brand, and as the community members work with each other, you start to see that interaction evolving. And the more interaction you have with the membership, the stronger and more valuable the community comes. So that's a big part of us. So if you think of what we're doing from a product is we continue to invest in the experience. We want to ensure that the individuals have the best mechanisms to interact with each other. So, you know, we continue to support things like video, communication, both on and off platform between members, all the things you would want to and should expect in a social platform. And at the same time now, we're understanding that there is a, an investment in the technology within a marketing group that will we focus on ensuring that there is integration with some of the other platforms, specifically the CRM side of things. That's a big element for a lot of our brands. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. So what would you say to a leader struggling with even getting started on adoption of a platforms like yours? You know, they're out there and they can't connect to their customers and they're freaked out in this time, you know, this, this remote world that we're living in and feel disconnected. Where do yeah, they go? Where do they, where do they start? 
Well, I was going to say sort of the cliche kind of response is just get started. I mean, at the end of the day, the value is there. You know, the thing that we've seen in the marketplace, and if you look at it, there's this is an intersection of a, a number of things. Number one is the world we live in now is very connected. And so I, I alluded to the Facebooks, the LinkedIn, the Snapchats, the Instagram. These are things that people use on a daily basis. And certainly the millennials have been growing up with technology all along. So the expectation of use of technology by a company is something that is table stakes today. So that's number one. Number two is as much as there is functionality to allow you to really dig into some of the things that uh, your, your community is looking for and engaging with them, they're just looking to engage with you. So provide content in a meaningful way treat them special, and there'll be value right off the get-go. Over time, you can mature your offering, you can mature your community, and you can start to do things more like the Rust-Oleums or the Legos on specific business challenges. At the heart of our community is, is the ability to run a challenge. That challenge is simply you know, a business objective that you want to throw out to this membership and just see how they respond, what they, what they provide as insights and valuable input into what you're looking at. And again, what's really interesting is we tend to be biased as a result of, of the environment we work into and we get kind of ingrained in looking at things in a certain way. And so by bringing community and really, you know, as, as you know, John, from your, your history with uh, crowdsourcing, what the opportunity gives you is people with a different perspective addressing a challenge and they will just tackle it in a different way and open up things and then by opening it up and interacting with others you get this very very mature and valuable response to tackle that challenge or business objective so it's extremely valuable that's awesome yeah i know you know really when you talk it really makes me think about the idea that brands need to become curators right i mean i can only imagine if I was going to build a deck in the back of my house, you know, and you go to YouTube and there's a thousand videos on how to build a deck. I mean, how do you sort that stuff out? I mean, it right. seems like that's one of the values of a brand like Rustoleum, right? That it's a trusted advisor that, you know, they, they want you to obviously use the, their product, but they're going to curate the very best from, you know, their community to let the world know and here's how to do it. Well, you know, what you what you touched on there is, you know, we're very much in an exchange economy. And so, you know, a lot of times, and I guess if I look back five years, privacy and control and things like that were at the paramount, at the forefront of what the, the community members and some of the brands were concerned about. So one of the things that uh, folks are looking for is, number one, to show that you care about them as a consumer of their goods. Number two, give them an environment that allows them to understand how to best use their product. So in the Rust-Oleum case, as much as they're going out and curating content, running small surveys, doing quick interaction with the employees, they're also providing a platform that teaches individuals how to use their product. So now all of a sudden as a DIYer and I want to go out and do something, I can do it with product, but I can do it under instruction. And so now I feel like I don't have to get inundated or overwhelmed by all that content that's out there. It's curated right on the site. And so I get the best of both worlds. And for the exchange of myself participating and how I might contribute to research for the company, they're giving me back instructional sets on how to use their product. And so it's kind of like a win-win. And what we've seen in the communities themselves is a real appreciation for that. The surveys we run on an annual basis with folks like Rustoleum and other community members is that they, they say, I will always recommend these products because of the experience I've had with the brand. And that's something that everyone would value, regardless of what I'm able to pull out of the community on a specific challenge or activity basis. 
Yeah, I love that. You know, it's interesting. This morning I was having a conversation on creating trust networks, right? Because I think that's one of the issues that we all try to help, you know, these new open talent platforms be adopted by companies. And and obviously, you know, that's one of the issues, right? It's really hard for companies to trust things from, from open talent communities. Like who is the person? They're remote. They're not really part of my community. That's what I love about, you know, co-creation, co-creating with customers, because all of a sudden the brand trusts the customer, right? Because they've actually spent the money. They're part of the community. But I also think that there's a, there's a kind of converse side of that. And that is that customers need to build new kinds of trust with companies. And, and one of the ways is to, you know, if a brand is a platform, is a brand is a way to get work done, like in Rustoleum's case of building the back deck, right? Then then it's just so much more powerful, both for the brand and for the customer. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the research has been out there for years that says that an individual will trust another user far in excess of how they'll trust the brand. So if you think about it, if the brand runs a community and allows that community to create content about how to use products, then ultimately that is a more value to extending and gaining more community members or more customers at the end of the day. You know, one of the best things we've seen in the, again, the DIY community in terms of some of these challenges with the garage makeover, a bathroom makeover, is that folks have responded, was like, wow, I was initially intimidated to take this task on. Now that I've seen how to do it, I'm in full in and away I go. And so again, how do they walk away from that experience? What are they going to convey to their network of people about, you know, how and what I've just done and how supportive that brand was in making this successful. So it just builds on itself. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the value to the brand in today's world is extensive. Again, what I went back to, or sorry, what I started with and I'll go back to is that consumers are looking for people and brands that care about what they have to say. Technology has allowed that to happen in a very easy sense, whether it's the brand on the internet with a community or me as an individual with a smartphone or an iPad that I'm dialing in to get that experience. And so they're looking for how to basically engage with the brand. And that's what we're here to provide is that platform that allows that capability. Yeah, I love that, man. And I think one of the other ancillary benefits of working with platforms and building communities is that one of the challenges, right, for every brand these days is to create content. And, you know, it's really, really difficult to set up and create your own content in a way. But man, if you've got a big, powerful community that can do that, you know, how to build this Lego project or how to do this project for Rosolium, that's really, really powerful. It, it solves a huge business problem that, that all brands are having right now. Yeah. And, you know, to characterize the market a bit is that, you know, what we're seeing is that as much as some of us have been involved in experiencing social from a marketing perspective for years, a lot of brands are just sort of reaching their understanding and maturity to make use of that and repurposing the content that happens on the social channel. So we think that the next few years are going to be exciting because people are going to say, well, listen, if we can do that, let's take that next step, which is offer the community. And so all of the benefits that I've kind of espoused over the last you know, 30 minutes of conversation start to make sense to the brand. And so all of these things take time, whether it's adoption, whether it's how to do things in a new world. But at the same time, you know, we're very, very optimistic about what the future has for our organization. That's great, Terry. Thanks so much. Yeah, really an honor to have you on the show today. And you know, as soon as COVID's over, I'm going to pick your brain on where to come ride in the Calgary area and get up yeah. in the Rockies and, and do a big ride, maybe over to Nelson or... Absolutely. Absolutely. We, it's, it, we have some beautiful country up here in Canada, not unlike yourself down in the Boulder area, but it's so close and uh, definitely would welcome that opportunity. So look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that you guys don't have that we do is way too many people. You 
guys are still <laughs> you guys still have have some places that provide some kind of solitude. Well, thanks again for being here and really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to continuing. Great. Well, thanks, John. Appreciate it.